Welcome to Whack or Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, a band, or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just the product of the hype machine of that time. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. As always, I am joined by a couple of downtown boys. Ooh, what's up? I'm Noah, one of the original club kids. <laughs> And I'm Adrian, uh, Le Producer Fantastique. Nice. And I am your host, Caleb, the um, Ed Koch of the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> how, are we, how are we doing today? Episode 25, 25 is upon us. There were some people out there that said we'd never make it past five. Yeah, I want to say to all the haters. <laughs> yeah, to all the haters. All the losers and haters. Yeah, fucking start your own fucking podcast. Don't come at me. I'm coming at you. Yeah, it's like uh, John Luke Goddard said, the best way to criticize a podcast is to start your own podcast. He did say that. <laughs> Do you think John Luke Goddard listens to any podcasts in his 94 years or so? Uh-huh. Actually, he's a weirdo and is like, I think I might want to make podcast as my <laughs> next project. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It would be like three minutes of like silence and like him like fumbling around like his notes or whatever. I guarantee you, John Luke. A lot Goddard, of negative space. I guarantee you, John Luke Goddard crossed paths with Grace Jones at one point and totally tried to climb that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably talked about French cigarettes for like an hour. <laughs> All right, should we just get into it? Because. Uh, yeah, we yeah. don't want to waste too much time. On yeah, totally. Time. I think we're going to be at it for a little bit. Um, yeah, Noah, why don't you let us tell us what's going on? This is actually, a, it's a, it's our Blossom episode. This is a very, very special episode. Yeah. it's Without all <laughs> the anti-vax shit. Whacker slaps. <laughs> Classics. Um, and today we have... Very special episode. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. <laughs> today on Whacker Slaps Classics, we have... The 1981 album Night Clubbing by the one and only Grace Jones. The singular Grace Jones. The singular, the iconoclast, the, yeah, the one and only. There is, yeah, she's just so, is Grace Jones. It's, it's incredible her, like, yeah, singular. It's, it's amazing. Like, her being is incredible. But, uh, anyways. Adrian, what did Pitchfork have to say about the Grace Jones album Night Clubbing from 1981? All the way back in 1981. Yeah, this is like early internet. <laughs> like DOS. <laughs> did you get the DOS? Yeah, they're talking about this on the ARPANET. Um, <laughs> so Pitchfork himself wrote this. <laughs> uh, like box. I mean, Natural Living Pitchfork was pretty high on this record. They gave it a 9.0, gave it a best new reissue, uh, which is their best new music for reissue albums, reissued albums. The review is by Andy Beta, 
who I can't recall we ever Total had. Beta. <laughs> I can't recall we have ever uh, done one of his reviews, but he is he's been pretty uh, he's been at Pitchfork for a while. So, but this the review is pretty good. It's kind of uh, it's kind of a little history actually of like what what was going on around this record and what uh, Grace Jones was basically about her and what you know the how this record transcended and what how, what were its roots. Um, it's a pretty good overview. Uh, but so I chose actually just the the snippet from the um, from the from the top because I thought it's a nice kind of little capsule of the review. So uh, here is the excerpt by Andy Beta. In 1980, Grace Jones decamped to Compass Point Studios in Nassau, Bahamas, where she worked with producers Alex Sadkin and Island Records president Chris Blackwell, as well as a crack team of session musicians rooted by the rhythmic reggae force of Sly and Robbie. Across three critical and commercial hit albums, with 1981's nightclubbing as her pinnacle, Jones reinvented herself while also altering the face of modern pop. Um, and like that really sums it up. I mean, it's kind of in the most simple terms because mm-hmm. that's kind of an understatement in a way because this this album kind of reverberates in so many ways. So many artists of of that time, of now. Uh, now just, even more so, I would say. Yeah, yeah totally like the reverberations of this album and just Grace Jones, his, her old look like her as an icon, as a, you know, as a kind of a transcend transcendent being through, you know, the art, the fashion, the music scene, like she, she her reverberations are still felt throughout, you know, now and through the past 40 years since the record, you know, as uh, first came out, but yeah, why don't we uh, get into uh, what was her deal? Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean that is it's like no saying that her deal is grace jones you know she's like <laughs> one and only she's like yeah. one of those people who's famous for being famous it's like you know she's a socialite or you know whatever. but with like talent but <laughs> with talent and vision and yeah and it's taste. all these incredible taste and and a taste maker you know and she's in mm. all these different little pockets you know of the art world the fashion world you know i just have when i wrote when in my notes i just have her down as four different kinds of icon you know that i think that word is probably we're just play a fucking drinking game every time we say icon or whatever um about grace jones but yeah it's that's i don't know i think that's like the best term for her and just like um, even like if if you just saw the album cover of this album nightclubbing and if there was no music attached if that was just an image with her on the cover in the armani suit with the cigarette coming out of her mouth and it just said grace jones nightclubbing without the music that album cover is like yeah stands the test of totally. time and <laughs> i feel like, like the most iconic images yeah ever it's and a, she's it's a drawing but it's yeah. like a, a drawn photograph i guess it's a yeah, they call it a um, painted photograph. Painted it's basically photo. like kind of Photoshop before Photoshop in a sense, yeah. you know? I mean, John, just how... how yeah, John... Um, go ahead, no, go ahead. John Paul Good, 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 yeah. Good, Goud. Good, good, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, it's like even when, you know, because we're like the children of like getting caught up on what late 70s and 80s stuff was by like MTV nostalgia and like VH1 and shit, you know, those like shows they would have about like you know explaining 
culture to us, you know. And when it came to Grace Jones, everyone was just like, "It's Grace Jones." Like it, there was a lot of like ambiguity around her, you know. Like you didn't necessarily know that she made music. I mean, obviously you saw like music videos, but I don't know. It was more kind of based around her look and stuff. And like, yeah, it's like you just it's like less is more with her, you know. It's like she just is who she is, and uh, yeah, she's just like a powerful figure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, at least by the time this record was came out, she had already been made a name of herself as a model. Um, she'd already released a few records as well. And, and you know, as, you're, as we're saying, like, I think her music is probably of the, the, you know, kind of the three tiers of model, actress, musician. It's kind of takes the third slot for sure. And I don't know if people, I mean, she's definitely underappreciated as a musician, I would say, but I don't know if it's, you know, I mean, she's like, as we're saying, like, she's so well known just as being herself, as being Grace Jones, as being, you know, a media star, as much as being, you know, an actress, as much as being, you know, on the cover of Vogue or whatever. Like, it's all image and, and like the way she yeah. managed it, it. It's just incredible. And, you know, and, and, and to, she continues it to this day. You know, to this day, she's still innovating. Yeah. She's still doing interesting work, you know, yeah. and putting herself all, out there. If all she ever did was get her picture taken at studio 54 people would still know who grace jones is you know like mm-hmm. be like who's that like six foot tall like naked woman yeah hanging, completely nude woman hanging out with like michael jackson and andy warhol in the club they'd be like oh that's grace jones she's she's famous for being grace jones yeah <laughs> and yeah. then when you dig deeper it's like yeah she was a you know uh maybe not a great actor but like an arresting definitely a movie, a movie star for sure mm-hmm. and then yeah just to realize that she made all this great like a great run of like a 10-year run of or maybe like five six year run of albums is pretty amazing like yeah um and i just want to say like her deal i think this record is like definitive like art pop like yeah mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. you know like that term it's hard to describe but it's like it's a mixture of like disco. And then of course, you know, she's Jamaican from Jamaica. And so it has that reggae, the whole Sly and Robbie piece to it. It has the reggae kind of dub sound going on, but it has that angular post-punk stuff, but then it's all wrapped up in a really catchy pop music. Uh, Like the template is always pop music, you know, like, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's art it's like you know it when you hear it you're like whoa this i wouldn't really say it's weird or experimental it's just art yeah it has something there's something extra there's something like sub musical almost that it's like yeah it's like these these it's like a statement on pop music you know so it has like this kind of metatextual like Mm. um layer to it and i think that's what defies art pop which is like a really hard term to define it's just kind of like kind of a catch-all for just like weirdos <laughs> like you know who make <laughs> usually who make pop music yeah. so it's like you know like bjork bowie you know the, yeah. you, you know yeah. we all know who we're talking Craft about when we say it craft work yeah um but it's not like it's not a gimmick it's not like um, no no it's very like earnest it's music. not like that m yeah. guy like pop music or whatever which i think sly and robbie also played on you know it's not like like one of those eighties kind of one hit wonder song where it's like, Oh, that's a weird song. You know, she's kind of like Devo in that way where it's like you hear a couple songs. You're like, Whoa, that's a cool little 
but then it's like wait she made a whole album that's like good too that's it's pretty impressive yeah totally and it, and it's i don't know and it's like deeply relatable you know it's kind of like sparks that band is like really popular now because they had like the documentary and they just oh, yeah. moody exactly and it's just like those guys are just like too caught up sucks yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean like their scene is I like, like their scene is like I tried so many the, times the kind of like weirdos. the pinnacle of our pop right their scene is like these singular like yeah where you don't know where they're and from they, or where they it's came like, from it's like we know something you don't know but you listen to this drivel i don't know it's like she's like no pop music and my whole thing it should be definitely enjoyed but get you kind of deep think about it on a, on a deeper you know level and like you know kind of peel back the layers and kind of look at like what's informing that music and all yeah, the different it's like accessible. references and, and all the different worlds yeah. you know that she's pulling from whether that's fashion you know the factory fucking yeah. filmmakers you know all that kind of shit she doesn't have her nose turned up like she's like no for the people she's like yeah she's like i'm a weirdo you're a weirdo yeah like, i'm gonna make cool music for you guys to like groove out to totally yeah Studio and, 54 or whatever and the other thing about her too you know without getting too deep into it is like she's like a very even though she you know she's jamaican american but she's like very new york too it's like yeah you know like she's like part and parcel of it is like you think of like new york in the 80s you know and like it's yeah. kind of like a different transitional period for her. She was just like one of those fucking here we go icons, you know. Well, she uh, was everything that was New York and high art and low art and everything in between. Yeah. She yeah, so she actually she she moved. She she was born and her childhood was in Jamaica, but she moved to the East Coast when she was twelve and landed in New York. So Syracuse, she, I believe, right? Yeah, Syracuse. So she. She always had kind of both feet. You know. Never left. <laughs> she had kind of, you know, um, she always had that kind of duality of, of having sort of that island, you know, kind of flavor to her, but also, mm -hmm. yeah, very much of an urban kind of city, you know, sophistication as well. Yeah, it's like um, Parisian meets island meets disco New York. Totally. And I think another thing I wanted to talk about with her is that I thought was interesting is that a lot of her biggest songs and certainly a lot of songs on here are covers, but not necessarily just covers. They're like recontextualizations of the song. Yeah, so totally. like the way she, she pulls things apart, you know, her, I think her probably her most famous uh, single or, or song is her reinterpretation of Levine and Rose, you oh, know, which yeah. is also really great. 27 but, million hits on Spotify. Damn. But um, but I think that's another thing that connects her to kind of the art world where she's taking these these texts and, you know, it, filtering them through her own sort of experience and through her own, you know, tastes and knowledge and making them kind of her own um, by by putting them in new, you know, adding new flavors of, of dance music, of post punk, of, you know, hits of reggae or whatever. And it's just it's you know it's so unique to to her and her being and it yeah it's she's just there's no other word for it she's an icon of mm -hmm. you know massive proportions yeah totally and she does what all good icons do is like aggregate things you know and it's like and pulling from you know more underground things and like in this case it's like yeah it's like maybe you know like dub music she should would have heard in sound systems growing up or like tape trading around new york 
definitely yeah. has like ballroom and like gay club music and all it has these, a like, early hip-hop like early D- yeah DJ and it does it in, a, in like influence. a really curatorial like reverential way too you know yeah. rather than just kind of like set you know hopping and being like oh, i want to try this just yeah. to kind of see a- more worldly it's it's very like it's all of a piece and it's just and it just like works really well together you know the way she's pulling all that together and i think that's all what, what great you know pop pop artists do is yeah there's expose a famous a larger world to to the listener there's a famous quote about madonna where somebody i can't remember who it was some cultural critic he said madonna's greatest gift is that she was the third person to do something yeah <laughs> so like it would filter through a couple layers of like street level and then by the time she she would blow it up but I think Grace Jones would be like the first or yeah, second totally. person to yeah, do it. And it might even explain why she's probably a little, you know, well less known than those other 80s, like, you know, top tier uh, pop stars, you know, Madonna being. And that's kind of like I've never really, you know, Madonna has some fucking banger songs. So it's like you cannot deny that. But so I never did get her on her getting in on her on a deeper level, you know, because I just think she's just kind of fucking appropriating things, you know. Yeah, she's good at that she's cool though no nah, i mean it's you know it's i'm not gonna hate on madonna i'm not that fucking i'm not that guy but i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like i said so like really like love her and appreciate her on a deeper level yeah i don't know man after and, and Blue, she also I tuned out <laughs> yeah <laughs> do we hear the history of nice <laughs> of this particular album night clubbing from 1981 yeah let's uh get into it um unless you guys had anything else to add but no i think i you know i, I have a feeling we'll, we'll just kind of pepper the, the same kind of thoughts that we have throughout you know our, our reactions yeah and actually so a lot some of this background would probably be a little bit of uh overlap with what we just talked about but uh here we go so it was re- the album was recorded from 1980 through early 1981 at the aforementioned compass point studios in nassau it was produced by Alex Sadkin, as we mentioned, who also worked with a bunch of other 80s artists. He was a, a engineer and he mixed a, a bunch of records, but he was known for producing like Thompson Twins. And um, I think he produced a few Bob Marley and the Whalers records, or at least uh, uh, produced one. His name's Bob. Um, yeah, we just, call him Bob. <laughs> we just call him Bob in this household. <laughs> I'm looking at um, a poster of him right now on my yeah, wall. Dude. Hey, oh, which one? I got the one of him playing soccer. He's smoking a joint on this one. Oh, yeah. Is that kind of smiling? <laughs> Which one do you got, Adrian? Uh, he's got the legend. Yeah, I cover. have the legend. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Um, but I, it was co-produced by Island Records president Chris Blackwell. And they brought together a team of session musicians who had already worked on a, um, some of the other Grace Jones stuff. Um, but they were dubbed the Compass Point All-Stars and... Um, they were there was a bunch of session musicians musicians uh, who were basically anchored by the uh, the rhythm section of Sly and Robbie, um, yeah. who are an all time great reggae rhythm section. They play on tons of records and had their own great hits. You know, just a fantastic duo and a, f- a fantastic group. These Compass Point All Stars. I mean, they worked on hits from on Tom Tom Club, Robert Palmer, uh, Black Uhuru, who I think was pretty influential on actually on this record and on Grace Jones herself. Totally. Um, if you haven't heard Black Who, they're really fantastic as well. The record was released by Island Records on May 11th, 1981, and it is Grace Jones' fifth studio album. 
Um, so she, yeah, she had been at it for a while before this, but prior to her recording career, as we mentioned, she'd been a fixture at studio 54 and the club scene, you know, um, I mean, as we said, notoriously, she would show up to studio 54 in the nude and, you know, be dancing and, and doing all of the things that studio 54 was known for, but all that stuff that she was listening to then, you know, it, influenced her music you know the the disco stuff i think some of her earlier music is much campier than this record which helped you know attract kind of her cult gay following but you know she definitely pulled a lot from that sound of of disco and r&b of that time and that moment uh and after her rendition of lavian rose became an international hit uh that's when chris blackwell became interested in her and realize like, oh, she has, you know, there's actually something more to than just her being, you know, a model turned whatever pop star, which I don't think was that novel necessarily at the time. I think other that had happened before, but it was, I don't think to the depth that Grace Jones was, you know, hitting with her music. Wait, what is uh, that your theory? No, that happened a lot more. No, me and Noah were talking, or Noah was talking about this recently. It didn't make any sense. Uh, but no. pe- back in the day, people just say, hey, you're a star. There was a different, <laughs> my <laughs> thing, there was a different pipeline. Queen makers. Yes, there was a different <laughs> pipeline where you could like be captured in Studio 54 and there's like, who's that? And then you're on the cover of like Vogue and then you're on like Johnny Carson. And then like a year later, somebody's like, put them in a movie. They pop. They're a star. Right. Now I think there's just, a, they don't have that. There's not that pot pipeline for like the, overnight like whoa who is that Put yeah in a movie i think it's people like you know deeming themselves stars and then yeah. just like beating people over the head with like it. you're not gonna and just see, like burrowing their see, way into the consciousness rather than you're, like yeah, yeah you're not gonna see like, like you're not gonna see billy eilish become like an a-list actor but like back in the not. day you could have <laughs> you could have somebody that was like you know, like on the fringes and it's like, whoa, they really work on on TV, on camera. Like, let's give them a shot to be like a international superstar. But I don't know. I mean, there's there's examples of it, like The Rock or, you know, a lot of it yeah. comes from yeah. wrestling now, I think. Or or <laughs> our girl, Stephanie Gaga. <laughs> Gaga. We don't need to talk about her yet. I'm sure but but, but hers was like a 10 year run of like being was, an established was, star. That's true. Yeah. For true. for music. I'm saying that like you have a single, you're on Johnny Carson, and then like two months later you're in a Schwarzenegger movie. Like, you know, well, I, I just I don't know if that, that kind happens of, anymore. But I don't think that that sort of media icon necessarily exists. It's just a different it's like blown up in a different way now. And yeah. it's not I don't think it'll ever be like that again. Where Kim Kim Kardashian's never gonna be if she was ever in a movie, she'd be playing herself. She's not going to be a movie star. Oh, Do you have, a, have you a seen uh, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor or whatever that Tyler Perry yeah. joint was? And, uh, and also, great, you, don't, you don't need to be a movie star now. I've seen one of her films uh, numerous times. I've seen it. Yeah, it's a film. That's a good one. All have right. you seen that one? Let's get back on track. <laughs> Damn it, Ray. Yeah, let's not sully this podcast with, uh, with Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. Podcast. But uh, to get back to it, yeah. So uh, after after the Levine Rose, that's when Blackwell became interested, and, and then she she put out her third record, which didn't really meet expectations. And that's when he was sort of like, "Hey, let me come on and be a producer and and help you out with this because I think you you have uh, you know 
you have a lot of talent and a lot of stuff to say. So he brought together the compass point all-stars and, you know, they, they started work on, on the records, which it actually started off as two records uh, or it started off as one record. And then it became two records. Once they realized like, Oh, we have so much material, you know, that uh, it spread out over um, warm leatherette and nightclubbing. Uh, warm leatherette is the record that comes directly before nightclubbing and also very yeah. very good really good but i have a, a quote here from sly dunbar of sly and robbie which uh paints a really interesting picture of of the recording uh and the recording process when we were in the studio with grace there was a big picture of her a big picture going right across on the wall of the studio then she'd be standing there singing so when we were playing and getting a groove all we could see was her we took it on that reggae kind of trip, but always with grace in mind, which is interesting that like, just imagine that like you're, you're playing the, her music, you're listening to her singing and you're looking at a giant image of her. Like that's probably <laughs> just like, that's gotta She's, be kind of a trippy. That's a move. Yeah. 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 She's already giant as it yeah. is. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. She's already got this, you know, she's already just a striking human being like a, as just as a human. Uh, so like, I can't even imagine how that, but like just filling all your senses with, with Grace Jones, like that's gotta be pretty incredible, but yeah. So the Compass Point All-Stars, she, she actually called them like the United Nations in the studio. Cause it was a bunch of musicians from a variety of places. And they're all very interested in incorporating a, a lot of different sounds, not just reggae, obviously, you know, reggae is sort of the base of everything and, and can be felt on most of the tracks, but, you know, dance music was heavily influential. Pop music was influential. Rock music was influential, like all kinds of stuff. They're just, you know, consuming and incorporating all these things, whether it was, you know, new wave art pop, as we're mentioning, you know, uh, post-punk, you know, textures, even like a little industrial, a, a little bit, you know, totally. Yeah. Um, Dude, did this, did this album invent like, the whole LCD sound system, the whole DFA. Like, is it all rooted in this this album? The whole dance punk stuff that we talked about on the Rapture episode. Like, it's like this and ESG, basically. Yeah, yeah it kind of is, right? Yeah, totally. Which I'll get to. I have a little bit about that uh, towards the end of this, but uh, so this this the recording sessions actually moved with, according to Blackwell, quote unquote disarming speed and ease so it seems like things went really smooth in the studio it was really you know really really productive they would move quickly they would do like one or two takes of a song or three takes and if they didn't hit it then they just would abandon they would just say fuck it let's trash it and move on to the next thing so you know they were not necessarily precious about this stuff but they were just banging things out trying different things you know doing different production things and then you know, they eventually the process in the process, they, you know, they, they came back and they started doing a lot of overdubs and, you know, post-production stuff to really just key things in, get different sounds and different things going on. Um, and Grace Jones was instrumental in all of this. She was always there. She, you know, people, yeah, the, the, people interviewed about you know, the other record all say like, yeah, she was always, you know, she's always in the studio. She's always telling us how she wanted it. She, you know, so she was really very much, you know, connected to the music. It's not like she was just came in saying her songs and then, you know, yeah. left it to the producers. Like she was absolutely passionate about this stuff. She's and not, she's not a muse. She's the driver. Like she's, she's yes, it. exactly. 
and so as I mentioned, numerous tracks are, are covers or reworkings. You know, the, the title track is obviously uh, Iggy Pop song a great iggy pop song from a great iggy pop record the idiot uh which is produced by bowie bill he she uh, reinterprets their bill withers songs which oh, is really good, amazing uh, ian curtis really loved that record right yeah <laughs> he got that last listen in before uh <laughs> yeah i loved it right. to death. oh wait did he hate oh, it boy it's <laughs> no, yeah, an interesting reading of it the ultimate review um <laughs> And then uh, one of the tracks is actually became a police song. It was written by Sting. I believe the the trajectory is it was written by Sting. It was given to Grace Jones. She recorded it for this record. And then like six months, eight months later, it came out on the police record, uh, Ghost in the Machine, I think. But anyways, she, basically the, the point being that there, she, she, there's a lot of different covers on this record. You think Sting gave it a go? Try to climb, climb that? <laughs> Oh, I'm sure they talked about tantric sex for, you know, 20 minutes. Tell me more about this tantric sex, Mr. Sting. Good Grace Jones. (laughs) Gordon. (laughs) Yeah, Gordon. Hey, where are you guys at with the police? Uh, I think Ghost Um, in the Machine is is good. I actually really like synchronicity because they're they're a hard man for me to give a hard time to because I'm like, oh, this is going to be corny and just like. To a wash with all the, the drummer, 80s, like, shit. What's so you're name? like Stuart Copeland. He's a good yeah. drummer. Yeah, yeah. He's I like really like famous Andy. for being good. Yeah. I, yeah, he's great. And I really like uh, Andy Summers' guitar work. I, it's yeah. really yeah. excellent. The, the, yeah. I, I, I appreciate it too. I think Sting's voice is the weak link. But if you listen to Synchronicity on the B side of that album, he lets the other guys write songs. And that's like weirdo art pop. Like a lot yeah, of those totally. songs. Like it's kind of, it's really like punk. They're one of those bands too. You know, like U2, where they'll be like, did you know those guys were actually like punk rockers? And it's like, dolls. kind of were like, let's calm down. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> if you're broadening that definition as much as possible, yeah. I, I mean, they were like, I will, like in, in an act of charity, you could they can be. They were like that. poor kids from like England at the time that poor kids from england were making punk but that doesn't mean they're punk i don't know <laughs> wasn't Stuart copeland or the other one's dad like a diplomat yeah i think sting was like a normal chimney sweep son or something <laughs> <laughs> me dad <laughs> anyways getting back to the record as we've we already kind of mentioned jean paul god and his iconic cover he he did a few of her more iconic covers i think probably her he, most famous is he climbed um, the tree oh yes they were definitely they um, got a kid yeah they they have a kid they were partnered at this time i think they they influenced each other quite a bit i think that her a lot of her image was influenced the, by him the, Sorry, the vibe i'm getting is they would probably refer to each other's lovers back then <laughs> or my former lover I don't know. They just kind of have that vibe. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring it back. (laughs) Bring it back lover. My lover. Like the, uh, like (laughs) that SNL bit. Yeah, that's true. But did you, uh, (laughs) do you guys know that Dolph Lundgren was Grace Jones's like one of her good buddies and bodyguard? Jesus. Yeah. That's That's how how he got famous. He got famous. (laughs) See, that's what I'm talking about. That whole yeah. star thing where it's like, like that guy's that's a strapping Grace Jones's young lad. bodyguard is hot as fuck. Like put that <laughs> dude in a movie. I believe they were also lovers later in the uh later oh, on in the decade. Sure. You can't be that tall and that good looking. 
I mean, just imagine out together and not try it. Imagine that sex, though. Just uh, how incredible that must have looked. I just think the 80s was just one big group group. It was just like a big old (laughs) pile of everyone fucking each other. And Grace Jones is just looking back at her kingdom of <laughs> conquest. Conquest. Yeah. Um, but as we mentioned, it's a painted photograph by God. I think probably her most famous one of her most famous images is of the from the island life. I believe I can't remember if it's a compilation album or if it's like that's in my history, Adrian. I'll get into that later. Cool. But like that one's super iconic too. And that's another one that's kind of a composite. But this is a painted photograph that Gao did called, which he titled Blue Black in Black on Brown, which is a pretty descriptive of her, how she looks, like the tone of the image, uh, which, as we said, it's it's kind of a very androgynous looking Jones with this, you know, really angular flat top. She's bare chested in an Armani suit and she just looks super powerful, super like seductive, Smoking like super like almost scary too. like, you know, it's kind of both, which he um. I think he's he he admired about her. He's I think he said that he admired her for her mixture of beauty and threat, which I think is a really super accurate uh, description yeah. of her kind of unique that, attraction. That album cover sold more cigarettes than Joe Camel. <laughs> yep. And I'm the Marvel smoking. Man combined. I'm smoking right now, but just looking at it. <laughs> But to wrap this up, the album was, when it was released, it was a critical success and a commercial success. And it was actually her most successful offering, uh, musical offering. It was voted record of the year by NME. It entered the top 10 in five countries. And it was her highest ranking album on the Billboard mainstream and R&B charts. I didn't get the numbers precisely, but the, you know it must have sold pretty well. Um, this is this is kind of the pinnacle as as the as the little capsule mentioned this is the pinnacle of her of kind of her musical career yeah adrian uh, also you mentioned nme they mm-hmm. in a poll of i think it was the 20 original album covers that are actually art nme ranked it number one oh, wow. i believe and then uh a woman storm thorgensen wrote a book in 1999 called 100 best covers of all time and her that nightclubbing was in the top 10. Yeah, I believe she's an art historian, uh, but, um, or like a design historian, maybe. I can't remember. Anyways, so the album has become super influential, and like her whole persona, her image has been incredibly influential, like the androgyny, the, the sort of angular look, the, you know, her, her, you know, the way she transcended gender in a way, you know, just she was her, her, you know, she was very powerfully feminine, but also you know, had a very strong masculine sense, like, and that came to influence a lot of artists. The sound of the record also came to influence artists. I mean, you, as we, we already mentioned, Lady Gaga, um, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, MIA, you know, Grimes, Grimes I think yeah. for sure. FGH wigs for sure. Uh, shout know. out Nicki Minaj. I hope her cousin's friends ball <laughs> uh, better. <laughs> oh God. Prayer, yeah. Prayers up for that dude. It happens. Yeah. Shit. That's I'm going to go get another injection just to see what, <laughs> yeah, uh, see what happens. Nikki. Why is, why is Nicki Minaj so messy? Come on. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she is a messy, messy human being. <laughs> But the the album Sonic Influence can also be felt all over like the stuff that we cover, you know, indie rock and and kind of alternative rock or whatever or alternative all, music. All punk. Undie all drum. punk. Undie. Underground. Undie, all yeah. punk, backpack rap. 
I mean, <laughs> so Dance stuff punk. like Massive Attack, Todd Turge, you know, Gorillas, Hot Chip, as we mentioned, LCD sound system. Like you can all, you can trace all, a lot of that stuff directly to this record and the sound of this record and and the you know everything that's going on in this record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of uh, sums everything up that I have for uh, the background. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, that's was, that was all really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, was, like I was saying, she's just she's coming oh. from all she's coming at the world from all different all these different angles. We mentioned Sly Very and Robbie, global. the iconic musicians, the rhythm section. Uh, Robbie Shakespeare on bass, Sly Dunbar on, Great name. Uh, on drums. And I just think we should give a little shout out to the fallen uh, dub father. Lee, Lee? Scratch Perry, Lee Scratch yeah. Perry. Who, who yeah. passed this month, sadly, but also just a guy that there's only one Lee Scratch Perry, you know, like mm-hmm. just that iconic class that like, if you don't even know who he is, which you should, but you know his influence on music, whether you know it or not, he's one of those, he's, his influence is so grand his tentacles that reach yeah he was just so every, far he was everywhere like that just, even if you yeah. don't know what like dub music is or what like the history of reggae you've heard his influence just by the way he recorded music and then he was so prolific in his own right I and mean, if you've heard any early bob marley and the whalers that's all that's all him so rest with king tubby all that there's a great to bring it back to pitchfork there's a great pitchfork tv featurette of uh, i think it's him and andrew uh wk, WK. Yeah. and he's uh he claims he doesn't smoke weed anymore but he just blows it all over himself he and just gets hot yeah he gets incense. burnt and gets high via like the means of hot boxing um <laughs> which is fucking amazing and awesome yeah i just wanted to give him a shout out yeah there's, no there's absolutely dub all over this album it's yeah. weird. i mean i yeah. really hope as we kind of expand our own parameters, you know, uh, of this of this podcast and this template that we we can cover more stuff like Reggae and Dub because it's just so fucking deep and there's just so many, you know, just iconic figures within that, you know, and so many different angles. You can look at producers, you can look at songwriters, you can look at just like rhythm section sessions, people, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah it's deep as hell. For sure. Hey, shout out Reggae. If you don't like Reggae, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, well, I mean, if you don't like reggae, you're probably just not listening to the right reggae. You know, that's there's, true. The, yeah. The yeah, reggae is such a broad term. There's so much, and it's like if you don't like reggae, you probably do right like reggae because you don't realize like the samples from hip hop or, or even just the recording technique of what reggae did to move studio recording, like the whole sound. studio as instrument, as studio instrument. As instrument. Yes, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Just go out, do yourself a favor, buy it, any Trojan Records comp, and just fucking smoke a flap J and chill and listen to that, and you'll be fucking set. Yeah, dude, and get some Trojan, some other Trojans yeah. while you're at, at it. At least Lee Scratch, Lee Scratch Perry might be overwhelming. So just pick any Lee Scratch Perry and then pick just any of follow it, yeah. down the rabbit hole. Get a greatest yeah. hits or whatever. Yeah. Get the studio oh, the cool one with... Lee Scratch Perry collection. Right. The black and the other thing with Lee Scratch Perry is he had so many collaborations. If you want to fucking find out about like, you know, King Tubby or Augustus Pablo or the Upsetters mm-hmm. or whatever, just get the fucking albums they made together. And yeah. that way you're getting exposed to two awesome artists at um, once. So it's you like... get uh, Bob Marley, the dub years, which is all his collaborations with Lee Scratch Perry. It's fantastic. 
Um, it's like early Bob Marley. Check that out. You can st- stream that on Spotify. Hell yeah. we, we are not sponsored by Spotify. We're sponsored by pitchfork.com. Yeah. <laughs> Still waiting on that check, bro. <laughs> We're the official, unofficial <laughs> podcast of Pitchfork. We're the Ill- illegitimate children of, of yeah, Pod- we, Pitchfork. We emailed what's his name, and he's like, yo, I'm not involved. I don't do billing anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah, I gotta send it to invoicing at pitchfork at Condé Nast. I guess Condé Nast is financial hot water, so I don't know. I don't think we're gonna be getting paid. <laughs> all right. Anyway, next. All right, moving right along. Let's talk about what our personal histories are with this album. Who wants to go first? I'm. You know what? Fuck it. I'll go first. I'm ready. Um, I didn't know a lot about this album until you guys brought it up. Like, honestly, I just knew Grace Jones is like, you know, as an actress, um, you know, as, as a pop star, you know, like I was saying, it's like probably your first exposure to her is like some 100 list on VH1 or whatever that you watched at like 430 on a <laughs> Tuesday, you know, it was just like that was just like volume based content that we were uh, kind the, of dealing with back then. Yeah, uh, Studio 54 behind the music. Yeah, yeah. Shit like that. Totally. So you get exposed. And That's like a I was, great one. I think oh, I was trying to say early. Yeah, that I think it's it a, a banger for sure. Yeah, oh, it's a slapper. Sure. Apparently, what I I heard a little rumor that that's gonna be uh, one of the American Crime Stories and Ryan Murphy thing, like the uh, other miniseries. I'd be do, into that. They might do in a Serial Fifty Four one. That'd be yeah. tawdry. I'd I'd be down. Yeah. So, but but like I was saying, like there wasn't a lot of explanation about her. Like I don't, I'm not surprised that like the likes of VH1 would be like, oh, we don't really need to go this deep on this like androgynous black woman from the '80s. You know, like she just she was a weirdo or whatever. So then you kind of get this vague sense of what she did you know um so that's kind of what my starting point with her is yeah and like i was saying she wasn't she was super well known you know um mostly kind of from a visual thing of just being like kind of avant-garde and things like that and you know she wasn't as well known as your madonna's or your princes or you know mj or janet you know or bruce or whatever but you know she was definitely in there she was up in that mix uh, of like you know those kind of singular uh 80s folks so that's kind of what i knew about her but then you know as i um and then her you know like her like our standard videos and her fashion were really you know out there and kind of kind of what made her well known at least to me and then but as things progressed in the years i started to see her like pop up in more kind of underground things you know she's making some weird movies and people talk about it from that angle or like yeah, you talk to like people who are kind of more into underground music and be like Grace Jones was cited, you know, as an influence or like his albums you got to check out. So that kind of like sparked my history. So like I was saying, she's like a little bit aside from that, like more straightforward pop darlings of the 80s. And uh, yeah, but honestly, I didn't know anything about this album. I've like never I've only just like kind of heard the singles and seen the videos and stuff uh, throughout the years and just kind of knew her as famous for being famous. But yeah, never listened to this album before um, until the other day last or actually it's been a while since we recorded. So I actually listened to this album quite a bit like um, over the course of two weeks or so. So, yeah, yeah, I, I had a very, uh, very shallow starting point with her. But I don't know, as I'll talk about later, really, really helped. I think helped my uh, experience. Listen to it now more than anything. Nice. Yeah, yeah I- Kev, I'm similar. When I was a kid, I of course I knew who Grace Jones was. She just I probably saw her on TV, like a broadcast of uh Conan the Barbarian 
and she was in there mm-hmm. um and it was like who is that like and i think my dad or someone's like that's grace jones and it's like oh okay that's like enough said like that's who that is like and then you always see her as a kid and she is like arresting as a kid you're just like i've never seen anybody that looks like that ever like it's like you know once you see grace jones you can't unsee grace jones you know like she's just like burns into your especially like being kids our age where we were kind of too young to know maybe her music and the whole studio 54 stuff or know her as like a media persona or like a model but so i definitely know knew her it's like yeah she's like that cool person that's like super tall and like beautiful and like really like like fierce and I was like, yeah, she's a model, an actor, but I didn't put together that she was such like a pop star because I knew she had hit songs, but none of them necessarily would like cross up. Like you wouldn't hear them on like the radio, like, like, you know, like just standard FM, like oldie, like classic rock stations or whatever, you know, cause a lot of disco was kind of lost. Like it, it like the cutoff was like, no more disco after like 1985 like like erase that shit like you can't hear it like the younger generations are not gonna listen to disco like it's it's done you know like um, it was a mistake it was a mistake it's a cultural embarrassment burn it (laughs) yeah um but then when i was about so 22 i would say i was at a thrift store in santa maria uh i think the salvation army on uh was that north or South Broadway. Um, I think that's Broadway in Santa Maria. And I found, I saw the cover of uh, Island Life, the that's which is basically like all of her island uh, albums, like a comp. Oh, sick. And I saw that iconic cover, which I'm sure everybody listening, if you, you know, you've seen it, even if you don't think you've seen it, but she's standing on one foot and she has one leg kicked back, like almost all the way to the top of her head. And then she has a little microphone. So it's like, she's in like a running position and she's wearing like a track suit and it's just like cool as shit. So I was like, Oh shit, Grace Jones. I didn't realize she was like, uh, she made albums. And so I, I bought it and uh, I became obsessed with the song Jamaican guy, my Jamaican guy which of course, if you haven't heard that song, you probably have heard that song because it's sampled. It's an iconic sample that uh, most recently was sampled by Nicki Minaj and uh, LL Cool J samples it for uh, doing it and doing it and doing it well, banger. which is, which is in turn that LL Sweaty cool J, banger. Yeah. That, <laughs> that LL Cool J song is actually a reinterpretation of a song called uh, like, wild thing tone look not the tone look <laughs> song it's it's, it's by Drops? this it's by this group called like two something i can't look. remember the name of the group let me shit i had it on my phone this is why we need an intern folks and uh <laughs> send in um, your apps yeah but uh anyways i love that song and i put on a bunch of mixes and then I think like 2014 or so was when I think that group was called like too nasty or something. But anyways, when nightclubbing got reissued like 2014 or something like that. Yep. 
I uh, started listening to it and I was like, whoa, like this is like, it was weird that I hadn't heard it because I was like, dude, this is like an influential record. Like I could hear all the influences like mm -hmm. on like the music that had come in the last 10 years and continues to come out. Yeah. And I was kind of like, why? I mean, maybe because I'm not like a, you know, maybe because I wasn't like a gay kid, like looking for like, you know, like the gay icons and stuff, which I think is that's how her legacy gets passed down now a little bit. But it's like, why isn't Grace Jones like known? Why isn't she on the level of Madonna? Like, why isn't she on the level of, you know, like a like. I don't know. It's just weird to me. It's like, why, why isn't her music more in the forefront? Like, you know, why is the music, the third thing you associate with Grace Jones? Like you were saying, Caleb, like, yeah, it was like, yeah. it was shocking to me that I hadn't just spent a lot of time listening to listening to her music. Um, but yeah, I think it's just one of those things. Like if you see her album covers in a record store, you're just like, Whoa, I don't even know what this is, but I'm going to buy it. Cause it fucking looks insane. Yeah, there's something else happening there. Yeah. You know, I have there's to like, get there's going to be something weird and yeah. fucking good. So anyway, I got that compilation and that was just like, Whoa, this is amazing. And I became obsessed with that song. And then nightclubbing came a couple of, a few years later but now in the last year, since it's celebrating the um, uh, 40th anniversary, I this is in constant rotation for me for, uh, you know, just a solid, solid, like just amazing album. So, yeah, it's a limited history and I wish I had a richer history because I, I wish I was listening to this when I was like 17, 18, 19 years old, you know? Yeah, I mean, you could totally, like, of that age, you could put this on, like, you know, mixed in with some fucking freestyle, some oldies, you know? And, like, it, yeah, it's just grooving, and it's a good time. Or, like, even when I was getting into, like, Wire or, like, the punk Oh, yeah, group, totally. You know, like, yep. that post-punk oh, stuff is, like, why? More, why? more on that later, soon, yeah. for me, at least. But yeah. it's, like, why isn't Grace Jones spoken in the same breath as Gang of Four, as pop, you know? It's, like, it's yeah. it's of a piece. Oh, one hundred percent. But yeah, that was my. I was shamed. I was like, man, I should have been. She should have been one of my, one of my icons, you know. But it's never too late, Noah. Yeah, well, <laughs> she is now for sure. She, she could be your gay. She could be your straight male cis male gendered gay yeah. icon. And you know, some things you know leave things for other sub like or not subculture. I shouldn't say that about gay people but like you know some <laughs> some things that not everything's got to be for you you know yeah like, totally you weren't, yeah. You, you, you weren't missing out there was nobody was like actively yeah. depriving you i don't, of I don't something. gotta claim like, i don't gotta yeah. claim grace jones you know yeah like, yeah <laughs> it's like uh, hey, well, hey gay guys can you be a little bit more forthcoming with the cool stuff just like let us let us guys know about it too give us but a it was chance. like it was like gay dudes would turn you on to madonna but like Grace Jones is for us, honey. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Right. We're playing this right. close to the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think similarly to you guys, I have a limited history with her musical side, at least. But as, as similar to you guys, I I had mostly known her as an image, as an icon, icon in the sense of like, uh, like a literal icon, like, you know, in the religious sense or whatever, like it's just this kind of being. 
you know, I, my, my parents, they, they both really loved the James Bond movies. So they had all of them, you know, uh, all yes. of it. So I remember looking at the VHS for a view to a kill. And I don't remember, I, I don't remember if she was on the cover or if she was like on the back and like a little picture, but I just remember looking at her and being like, I think she's on the poster that? and all that. Yeah. She's definitely on the poster, but I can't remember if she was on this cover of the VHS specifically. She's got but legs it, from here to Yaya. Yes. It's a very amazing illustration of her and Roger Moore, but whatever it was that I was looking at, I just was super intrigued. Like you guys are saying super like, and a little bit frightened for sure. Like she, she's definitely, yeah. especially coming from Santa Maria, which at that time was not as diverse as it is now it's getting better. But so just seeing someone so, you know, starkly herself, so starkly like this, this very masculine feminine, you know, kind of energy coming off of her, you know, just, just her image. Um, and then also someone just with the, the, that dark complexion, which is very, very arresting to me and uh, very intriguing to me. And I, you know, I, and so like, and, and also, you know, I, of course I watched the movies with my parents and stuff and seeing her and as you're saying, Conan, the barbarian, another one. And, um, and another one actually that I, that I completely forgot about until I was looking into it for this is, is boomerang. She was in boomerang, the Eddie Murphy movie, oh, um, yeah. which I remember seeing, um, back then as well shout out my uncle kenny he let me watch that movie way too young (laughs) (laughs) yes same i watched that movie very very young a lot of it i I have never seen uh, it (laughs) it's uh, good yeah it's good it's It's one of his better films um it's from that era i'm gonna put on the list but um but she's actually she's really great in it too she's she's kind of um she's kind of gives a very uh a very grace jones performance let's say but very dramatic. But uh, so, yeah, I kind of knew her just as kind of that is just sort of this very arresting, you know, aura, you know, sensual image. And uh, and then it wasn't until later that, like, you know, that I realized, like, oh, yeah, she's a musician. As, we're, as you guys are saying, like, it was probably something stupid, like I love the 80s or some stupid shit like that, where uh you know or Did maybe Michael was, Ian Black explain her to you yeah right exactly or but <laughs> pr- probably it was Studio 54 oh, the, the behind the music oh yeah it was uh, yeah it was under Paul Shear or PFT or someone but yeah. um but anyway oh, that, so that's funny how that kind of shit was the original podcast if like out of work comedians and writers needed work they, they were just <laughs> talking heads on that and henry now all rollins. that energy but now all that energy is just fucking podcasts yeah. you like henry rollins <laughs> and madonna's talking about <laughs> yeah, grace jones right that's yeah. the second mention of the donna's uh we're doing the 15 year of uh spend the night with the donna's <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not we got time uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so like I, that's kind of where I probably was first. Um, and the, and you mentioned the Studio Fifty Four behind the music. That was probably, uh, probably probably saw that first, and then later the I love the eighties stuff, and then yeah, being more, you know, and then realizing like, oh yeah, I've he- I've heard that some different places, whether it was a sample or you know, um, and I think as, as I got older and I started going to shows, I think one of the the first places I actually heard one of her songs was uh, I can't remember if it was at a bar like in in you know, probably in San Francisco or Oakland or something. And as they, like, they as had, like bumper music or whatever. Yes, exactly. Or like as House between music. shows, yeah. Uh, between uh, sorry, between uh, bands at a show or something like as bumper music, where you know, uh, where I would be hearing it like super loud, the bass super super loud, and just being like, "Fuck, what what the fuck is this? Like, this sounds incredible. Like, 
like you hear nightclubbing super loud on a good system, like it's fucking great. Or or pull up to the bumper. I think pull up to the bumper is the one in my memory that I, I heard and I was like, what the fuck that is this? That was kind this of the hit, great. right? The single. Yeah. It was one of the singles as long uh nightclubbing was another one, and I think uh what was it? Uh I've seen that face before is another one. Uh parentheses Libertango. There's I think four or five singles from it. But yeah, pull up to the bumper was the big, big one. So yeah, that's kind of where I my I first heard her heard songs from this record, and then um, eventually I I would piece together like I'd hear different songs from it or like I would hear like <clears throat> Demolition Man or something and be like oh what the what was that that's crazy from you know on like a like a um, like a Spotify radio or something would pop up yeah um, but uh, but yeah it wasn't until now that we're going through it that I actually listened to it in its entirety um, but. But yeah, so like that's kind of it's it's interesting that we all kind of had this this similar history. I think I think it she definitely this album would have slotted in perfectly for us in high school, I think, you know, yeah. uh, right behind LCD and the rapture or whatever. Like it would have made a lot of sense to, but yeah, I'm also kind of bummed, like, oh man, like I wish we had I wish we had discovered this earlier so that we could be jamming to all of her records, you know. Yeah. Stop yeah. depriving us of Grace Jones. Guys. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture. Studio 54. Keith Haring. Ooh. Grace Jones. Fella Cootie. And oh, John wow. Michelle Basquiat. Chilling. This oh, I think. Like, oh, I don't know if it's Studio 54 then. Because that's I probably s- too late. But No, no. It like might have been. The Mud it Club been. or something. <laughs> yeah, Mud Club. It might have been Studio 54, though. I just watched rewatched yeah. that documentary. Um, that's pretty Radiant cool. Child uh and they talk about that how he was part of that scene and stuff and like yeah that image is crazy <laughs> like just thinking of like all these luminaries of like the oh, art man. and cultural scenes that's a that's like a dream group group right there for her. There's, a of, there's a picture of grace jones sitting on fella cootie's lap fella oh, couldn't be happier <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys. he's in the moment <laughs> oh boy Wow. Oh man. Bring back Studio 54. To be a please. fly on that orgy. <laughs> <laughs> to be a fly right. on that pile Should of cocaine. Take a Yeah, break. let's take a little lewd break and um in the spirit of 54. And, take a yeah, lewd we'll break, come. people. I'm trying to get my Grace Jones back again. <laughs> Your Grace she did earlier was was great. Yeah. Was yeah. yeah. Get your Boy, poppers we were, out. Yeah, get your poppers. Poppers, breaks, ludes. Champagne. Uh California wine and LSD, as she as she uh, makes reference to be yourself. Oh, right. song. If you can't be yourself, do yourself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Marker. Rest in peace, John Paul Bamundo. Oh, yeah. Another icon. Another uh, cigarette icon. Another New York <laughs> icon, rest in peace, uh, Michael Bogey. K. Oh yeah, Michael Williams. K. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Also, rest another person you see him, and it's like, whoa, that's Michael K. Williams. Like, yeah, <laughs> nobody looks another like very him. arresting figure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Started out as a dancer too, you know. Yeah, club. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I believe on the Rhythm Nation tour. tour I hope you got to meet Janet. Grace. I hope you got to meet Grace Jones. 
Oh, let's yeah. take a look. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Grace Jones. <laughs> my, my there, there has to be a picture of them like in front of like a step and repeat at some sort of New Dude, York thing. I bet you if you Google like any person, Grace Jones, there's probably any combination. Any com <laughs> because people are like, let me get a picture with Grace Jones. Like Bill Clinton's probably like, oh, let me get a picture with Grace. Like everybody's <laughs> probably there's probably like every combination of anybody that's had a you know a iconic image over the last 50 years there's a picture with them and grace jones yeah i couldn't find that one that one doesn't exist yet somebody shop that up though we can get that get that going okay we said our condolences r.i.p norm mcdonald you weird oh, bastard but, um, yeah, hot off the. Hot I off guess the New York icon, right? He's on SNL. Does that count? Wait, I got a Getty image. It's Comedy Store, 1993. Grace Jones and Norm Macdonald backstage. She did, did she do a Type Five? No, <laughs> she would have killed it stand up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, She's she so would have probably had like that deadpan style. <laughs> yeah, she could just do ten minutes on, on how it sucks to be tall. <laughs> no, she would flip it. She'd be like, "It sucks to be small." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So, have you guys listened to this album? Do you guys listen to this album as as assigned? Non. You understand the man. assignment? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is constant rotation in the last month or two. Last yeah. Year, like, really. If, anytime I get in my car, it's like, bam, put on this one. I kept finding it being like the right music for the right time. Like we were cruising that wedding. I was like, oh, this is good pre-wedding music. Or yeah, I was like, oh, this is good road trip music. I was like, this is good working out music. This is good working music. I don't know. It checks off a lot of mood boxes, a lot of situations. Yeah. Works in a lot of contexts. Yep. Caleb, hit it off with your Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, th I mean, this is what I'm fucking talking about. This album, this is like, I, I loved it. And it was like, to me, it was a hidden gem. You know, I really had no history, like I was saying before. And I was just like, fuck yeah. It was like a really great discovery and like just a really fun album to, to review. And it just, um, yeah, it, it encompasses a lot of cool things about that era. You know, it's like, in terms of like an art pop, kind of sophisticated art music, you know classic it's it's got to be up there you know with like the fucking berlin trilogy or fucking whatever roxy music like that all like it, it's definitely kind of you know it's 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 elite in terms of what it's doing and what i really like about it is it's just like it's so singularly her but it it, it it just has this vibe and atmosphere it's just pure you know it's pure mood through the whole like the whole album that's just like just belongs to her and belongs to like New York in 1981. And, you know, all, and what all that means, like just that rich tapestry of life and art and everything happening at that time. It like really embodies that in a really just sophisticated and just fun way, you know? Um, yeah. I just like, I, I liked, I, I really like repetitive minimal pop music. Like that's kind of, my pocket with pop music so whether that's like you know like kind of gothy synth stuff or whatever else it's like that's kind of i like that stuff where you can just kind of lock into a groove or just lock into a few like simple ideas that are the architecture of a song and just like ride it out and just like reiterate on that and 
add some texture here and there and now like this album is like chock full of that just like yeah it's just like it's super just like sleek and just like austere you know and there's like there's there's like it there's not a lot of fat on it you know it's like it's very um yeah like i said there's trim you know and um and like the and the reggae is like as we were saying is like the it's it, i would say it's like the backbone of it you know other you know and and and, and then it allows you know because reggae is informed by a diverse set of musical influences itself so then there's like yeah like you know then r&b comes out of that and then kind of as reggae is moving into the 80s there's definitely more of like kind of like proto hip-hop you know beat type stuff that you know would have been part of it and it just kind of moves through the album in a way that's not like overtly like a reggae album but it's just like that like i said just like locking in to a groove and just riding out just like these really awesome rhythms and letting that be the vehicle for just all these like fun sexy songs is like yeah it was just really really fun it's just like stays in the pocket and um and while like i said it is fun as hell but like there's that kind of new york 80s art thing where it's like there's a sense of dread and like darkness to it too it's like a very nocturnal album in that way and there's like kind of something sinister about it and you know maybe that's just like me projecting because you look at grace jones and she's like you know kind of a severe looking person that's kind of a far, part of her persona she's like really powerful but like i think the music has a sense of that in that too and yeah and what i kind of drew parallels with too is like what else is going on like here it kind of has like that downtown new york like no wave kind of things like where it's just like minimal repetitive locked in you know um and then you look at like people kind of came out of that like bill laswell and stuff the bass player you know he did a lot of dub stuff he did stuff with sly and robbie so kind of like kind of reminds me of that where it's just like these kind of reinterpretations of things in a more minimal context um yeah but yeah i don't know really what else to say it's like people often copy uh grace jones i think more from a visual standpoint um and and but no one can really match just like what this vibe is it's like it's just like so unique and um yeah just just rad i fucking had a great time it's a great album nice oh yeah adrian so the one the thing that struck me most about this record uh and listening to it well i mean first of all like the thing about the sounds of it, the, the sounds that are coming out of it are just like of its moment and also transcend its moment. So like you said earlier, Noah, when you're listening to it, you're starting, you start to hear all the stuff that it influenced and you're like, Oh, well, this is the kind of the, you know, the Rosetta stone for all that shit. Um, in a way. So that was, I definitely noticed that coming into it, but the, the one thing that, that really struck me was how cohesive it is as a, as a, as a record. Like, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I'd only heard really listened to like kind of the singles and maybe heard a couple of the other deeper tracks like Demolition Man or something just here and there, but I never really listened to it as a piece. And so sitting down and doing that, like it really was uh, kind of illuminating. And, and, you know, I mean, it's her fifth record. So I think by this point, she had kind of figured out what works and what doesn't, how to build the flow you know she's backed by all these incredible musicians uh really strong producers you know so i think it all, all lined up to make this just like a really incredible piece of art and an incredible piece of 
piece of music and in the history of of pop music and dance music you know um so like i i mean i always obviously love those singles i always love pull up to the bumper you know which is one of the best songs about butt fucking you know to ever exist (laughs) um but like to hear them in the context and the way that they slot in with the other tracks and the way that things you know because it's like as it's it's cohesive as a piece but that's not to say that all the songs sound the same you know because they don't at all they they share very similar sonic palette a very similar song palette but they all go off into their own sort of direction they all kind of have their own little bits and pieces that are influenced from here or there you know whether it's like the buzzing bass on demolition man that's kind of an industrial thing or you know the way that she turns nightclubbing from this you know super dank dark kind of vampire nocturnal thing and she opens it up and it still has that kind of nocturnal feel but it's much more like entrancing in a way you know like the original one's very sleazy and this one she's kind of sophisticated it up a little bit and made it you know made the sleaze kind of more decadent in a way or something i don't know but it's just the way that she's she's breaking open these songs uh you know and then also her vocals are very very interesting because it's not necessarily completely singing and it's not completely speaking and it's not necessarily you know um it's like very unique to her we need to add her on our top five like top singers yeah exactly she's definitely gotta go in there so i think like i really love that and i really love how the production which is you know smooth and airy and warm helps showcase her vocals because like oftentimes they're kind of like like she's kind of in the middle of all of these things, you know, these pieces going on, whether it's the rhythm section, you know, going off and then there's little bits and pieces of noise popping in here and there, little electronic pieces, you know, little bits of guitar, funky guitar, you know, or like, you know, they'll bring in some, you know, uh, accordions or, which I'm sure is probably a synthesizer, but they'll bring in all these eclectic sounds and, the way that they all play off of each other and the way they all build is really satisfying and really, you know, it, it really does capture you. And um, I think that's part of what, why it works in so many contexts. Like you guys are saying, like it, it works as like, if you're just chilling, having a drink, you know, uh, or if you're in the middle, like uh, for me, like I was working on some design stuff and it was just really keeping me motivated and focused and keeping me in the flow you know, just because the album flows so well and the album feels like so, so good and smooth. So it's kind of helped me mentally be uh, kind of capture that flow moment. But, you know, I, I obviously I'm a big fan of all of the things that's, that they're pulling from, that the band's pulling from, that she's pulling from, you know, whether it is disco or art pop, you know, I, I mean, obviously I, I love Brian Eno and I think, you know, so you can hear some influence of that here. You can hear, you know, Roxy music for sure. You can hear some Roxy music influence on her music, but you know, I, the new wave stuff, like all the things that all the pieces that come together here are just incredible. And uh, I'm a fan of, so to hear just how put together everything is and how, you know, how she's interpreting these songs is just, it's, it's very satisfying and very, you know, I mean, I, I listened to this record, I don't know, a good, 
dozen, maybe dozen and a half times. And it's like, I still want it more. Like I still want to listen to it. And that's not even talking about going into like all of the remixes. And, you know, there's a couple of unreleased tracks as well on the, um, the reissue that's on Spotify, um, which are also really worth digging into and, and satisfying in their own way as well as seeing how people, other people interpret these songs um, or hearing how, you know, they were doing, you know, whether it's the extended dance remixes or whatever, to hear how they're, you know, adjusting things or tweaking things to make it sound different. But yeah, and then I would be remiss to, if I didn't talk about the graphic design because obviously that's, you know, I'm very passionate about that. It's my my career, my business. But would you say graphic design is your passion? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> nice. But uh, so I've always been a fan of how she used her image. You know, that was kind of the first thing I ever, you know, knew about her was her image and the way that that the album cover as you guys mentioned is as Noah mentioned like it's so it's so it does entrance you like if you see it from across the room like it, it does pull you in i think the best album covers do that where you know you, it's a little mysterious it's a little bit intriguing it's a little bit you know it's a little bit arousing you know when in not necessarily in the sexual way well yeah so, i mean in the sexual way but also just a, can we get a button can we get the the boner <laughs> shock jock radio sound but i mean it's sounds. it's not just it's not just sexual it's like arouses your senses in a way that good art does you know it's like yeah. it, it, it good art makes it's you captivating horny. well yeah i mean i know i get a boner every time i go to the moma um <laughs> Especially the naked ladies. <laughs> Check out the cans on that one. Snoop so, can. yep. I, I was saying that at the Louvre and I was asked to leave. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Balmundo, you ran out of there like Jean Paul Balmundo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wait, is he in that? I don't know. No, he's not in that one. Um, Jean Moreau. You ran out of the Louvre like Jean Moreau. <laughs> Um, but uh so yeah so i like like i really i love the i love the design work i love uh goud's work and goad's work in general goud but yeah this is one of his best one of his masterpieces and um it's a really you know i wish it's a shame that you know that it's not on spotify anymore i know that for a time that the the proper album covers were there but uh right now i don't know if there's a rights issue of you yeah, know what's up with that virgin records is like fuck you or i don't know what's going on or goud himself is in is like no but they have these really kind of crappy i mean they they fit in the sense that they're kind of generic dance music looking but yeah. it's just such a far cry from from but the, you can't re-release a grace jones album and not have grace jones on the cover like it, it goes hand in hand it's part of the music like the image like yeah it's and, frustrating yeah. but i think I got, that the uh, remedy it i got a copy a used copy with the original cover coming my way next week nice nice yeah send that expense report you can find <laughs> them you can find them for about 30 bucks i had the my local I had my local record store order me one. So, yeah. Yeah, support, support your local, local record stores. Yeah, let them deal with the Discogs for you, and then you just go pick it up. And you probably <laughs> spend like $5 more. It's a good deal. Yep. Perfect. You get a nice rapport with the, the vendor. Yeah. <laughs> good time. Good time all around. But, yeah, I, I just, you know, I 
I was really grew to appreciate this record in a deeper level, um, having listened to it, you know, in more depth for this. And it's definitely one that I think will stay in the rotation. It's just, it's too good. Uh, there's too many good songs. You know, I'm already, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to listen to this when I'm, you know, when I'm traveling uh, this week, it's going to be perfect for that. So yeah, I think it's, I you know, do be it's very one good of the all time airport music. Yeah. Right. Having a drink. Yeah. You know, having a, having a martini, you know, oh, getting yeah. ready for some air travel and listening yeah. to a little Grace Jones. This, like it's, this it's album. Perfect. If you're, if you're at a bar, any type of bar, unless it's like real meathead kind of bar, I think you'd throw like a bar where of, you don't have to show your vaccine record. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if you, if you put this on a jukebox, like the whole bar will turn and be like, Whoa, what is this? And they'll be like, yeah. it's Grace Jones. They'll be like, Grace fucking Jones. And like people will like lose their mind. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Yeah, dude. It's infectious. All right. What about you, Noah? Oh, I didn't do my history. Your current uh, your yeah. currents. Your currents. Um, yeah, I just I love this album. I can't stop listening to it. Like anytime when I'm walking home from work, I'm like, bam, listen to like two songs on the walk home from work. Anytime I get in my car, in my truck. It's whip. This is whip music. My uh, whip music. Whip music. It's just fucking when uh on America's next top model, when they say fierce, this is it. Yeah, she kind of invented fierce as she far as I'm concerned. The fierce market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Sasha. Yeah, Sasha Fierce. <laughs> Step aside. Badge. Um, what's the next top model? Banks. I can't remember her name. What the fuck? Tanya Tyra Ernst? Banks? Tyra Banks. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's not a great show. Yeah. Uh it's, it's rewatch some of those old seasons. It's what yes. you would call like cancelable. Like not, <laughs> yeah, not because of brutal. ratings, but because of like the shit they say. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like vicious, dude. It's yeah. wild. And it wasn't that long ago. It's like 10 yeah. years ago. Grace Jones so, would not approve. She seems like a very supportive, positive person. She is supportive and positive, but I think she's just like, no time for crybabies. Like, suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> like, get back out there. <laughs> like, um, but uh, yeah, I love this album. Love Grace Jones. It's, yeah, it's just iconic. It has, like all great albums, it has the one-two punch, the first two songs. Yeah. It's sure, like, whatever, the nine-song album, man, that's like, if you can pull off the nine-song album, that's like rarefied air, where it's like, bam, nine songs, no filler, just get to the point. We, we discovered the sound, what we want to do with this album. We're sticking to the script, but it's not going to sound boring. It's going to sound like these are the exact nine songs that we set out to make, and it's perfect. Yeah. So mm-hmm. current reaction, love it. Love you. Love you, Grace. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> yeah. Fucking resounding positivity from this album. Should we just go to ratings? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we got to hear it. My rating is I, I have to it. give this album a six a six point nine just because oh, yeah. it's just so sexually charged. Sexual. Um, yeah, let's hear some of this bad girl. I don't want to call it a bad boy. It's from this fierce bitch. Yeah, I mean, I know me and Adrian 
Should we just, you know, just pull up, pull up on it properly? Yeah. Well, let's go down the list, right? So I have Walking in the Rain, the first Fucking track. Great intro. Yep. As a slapper. So let's play that one. Let's see how you... far down we go before we don't get a slapper. I think we go through the first like five songs at least. We may just between. I mean, listen, here's what you do. We'll see. Just just tune back in about 38 minutes. We're going to have 38 (laughs) minutes of dead air. It's 38 uh, minutes. Like in that movie, contact style. And then that's when the album will be done. And yeah, that, that, that's, there's your, there's your bangers. Don't you guys feel though, like at 38 minutes, it feels neither too short or too long. It's like, yeah, it's like a liminal. It's just perfect. Yeah, it's great. Like if you ask me how long is this album, I've been like, oh, it's like 50 minutes. Yeah, like, no, wait, that's way long. too long. That's yeah. way too long for a pop album to be. And then when you listen, it's like, oh, wait, it's 38 minutes. It's, it's just like it entrances you. Like you lose track of time. It's like it could be an hour. It could be 20 minutes. I don't even know. It's like. Yeah. Well, I'm did you it. have any thoughts on this oh, song? So Walking in the Rain, the first track off of Grace Jones nightclubbing from 1981. I say this is like a definitive art pop song. Uh, it has that dub element that I love on this mm-hmm. album, Set and I think tone, this baby. this <laughs> this song uh, puts it in the ranks of like a post punk kind of great song. Like it reminds me of like the pop group, like the percussion, um, like a little bit of Wire, you know. Which all those British bands were influenced by reggae, so it makes sense. Um, yeah, but I love. I think uh, so. Uh, Sly and Robbie at the time they were they're well they they pioneered a style called like rocker style in reggae where it, it kind of like broke down some of the rigidity of reggae where it's like you had to lock into a groove they kind of like no we can mix up tempos kind of like rock and roll does and yeah like, they they had like influencers from all over they're like into country yeah. music and like yeah guitar like you know guitar rock or whatever but this style that they were guitar working rock. guitar with, rock. <laughs> This style style that they were working with in the early '80s was called rub a dub style, and I think this is like, yeah, this shit is some <laughs> rub a dub. I for sure, yeah, that's very appropriate for this record. Uh, I, I agree with that from the from the tippy. If you want to play it, yeah, just the tip. Yeah. So here it is. No, I was just gonna say I I completely agree. I think that it sets the tone really properly and. Uh, it kind of captures a lot of different things that are going on. I mean, she, she does like a really great, you know, spreck and spring here, you know, sp- uh, speak singing, speak singing, um, yeah. iconic speak singing. You could just feel her like standing six feet tall, just like pointing <laughs> to you. Like, yeah, this is, this is what we're doing, baby. Take my hand yeah. for the and, next 38 this, minutes. And with this song too, kind of like that speak singing thing. And just kind of like, I don't know. It's just like, it has like, like I was saying how it tied into like, like the no wave new york kind of thing it was like where it's like the kind of performance art piece of it i could just like see her in like a gallery or whatever and this is like doing you know some sort of like elaborate performance and yeah you know, she's just like narrating she's like a narrator in the song she's staring staring yeah. down jay-z in a folding chair <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure walking in the rain place <laughs> <laughs> all right well here great. is here's walking in the rain from the tippy Thank you. 
off of down the street. Kicking cans. Looking at the billboard. Yeah, that's like the intro for like that movie Downtown 81 with like Basquiat <laughs> like walking <laughs> to his apartment playing like the clarinet or whatever. Totally. Yeah. Um I wanted to play a little bit. I have a couple of things that I've called out, but here's a little of the chorus which I think is really satisfying. Walking, walking in the rain. And then there's a nice tasty little synth line here. Yeah. Uh, Wally Badaru. Badaru. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that guy that's... fucking shreds on this album. Yeah, I don't know if that's a clavinet or something like that, but it just there's a lot of nice synth lines and nice textures. Just yeah. really, there's a bunch uh, of cool shit where it's just like I was saying. There's just like this steady rhythm. It's just like so sleek. Sounds and then, restrained, and then, but, but then there's these funky. little flourishes yeah. like that. You know, all that shit, and it's just like yeah, it almost sounds subdued. Like she's yeah, kind totally. of low, she's lulling you in. Like, like it feels like they when they made this album, you were saying how they would throw out anything that wasn't clicking. So it does really feel like they're like one through nine. This is going to be like a whole story that we're telling, like, like that song, the first song is very subtle and it really does pull you in. Like it's, yeah, it's an amazing intro song. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like a good, it's a good first song. Cause it's like, yeah, like sometimes the first songs are more subdued and then the banger follows, yeah. you know, it's subdued, but it's like funky and like weird as shit. It's like, like hypnotic or something. I mean, it just, yeah. it just draws seductive. Yeah. 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 It's like the, Fucking it's like a, you see the, like the strange woman walking down the street and just like follow her to like, God knows a what. Seductive to your doom. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, um, righteous. Well, we, you know, we already teed it up, so we're talking about you know the one-two punch that is the beginning of this album. So can't really talk about this album, not talk about pulling up to the bumper. Song number two, slapper to the two. bumper. Yeah, I mean, me and Adrian both have this on our list. So what 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 made you put this on your top? Other than that's a banger. Well, <laughs> I. I just really would like the way that <clears throat> everything comes together. Excuse me. Everything comes together on this track. Just rhythmically. It's really funky and fun. Like the groove is so fucking good. Like you could put this song on literally anytime. And it's funny. Cause like, as I mentioned before, it is a very thinly veiled, uh, you know, a song about, you know, anal sex, but it's about a fender bender. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I thought it was for looking for a parking spot in New York. It's really hard, so you got to pull up right to the bumper. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to get real close. Don't worry about hitting I, it. That's what they're called bumpers. I was gonna say, like, you put this on literally anywhere, like a wedding, a barbecue, you know, a bar, 
and it will get the room pumped. It'll get the room going. It's just like <clears throat> all of the elements are here. You know, the, the killer, the killer rhythm, you know, really nice drums and bass. Uh, the synth, the synth pieces just kind of flowing over the top. And it just has like one of those like classic, just like, I don't know. It's almost like, like, like jump rope rhythm. Like it's hard to explain, but it's like that kind yeah. of funky kind of, of off kilter stone. Like, a, yeah, yeah Larry totally. Graham. But it's, but it's real kind of the, the phrasing is real, is real like, like terse, you know, it's like a, it's like, it's compressed in a way, you know? And that's like, yeah. And like Sly did a lot of that too, like especially the early stuff. But yeah, it's like, yeah, there's something about the just like the short phrasing of everything, just kind of makes it a little if, bit more claustrophobic. Yeah, claustrophobic. Um, yeah. It feels heavy, but like maybe not deep. Like it's like fleeting or something. You know, it's like, hmm. yeah, it's. Uh, Are we talking about the song or the song's meaning? Well, but. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we hear it uh, yep yeah here's another one that i'm just gonna play from the tippy because uh yeah just, the, 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 the intro is just incredible um especially coming off of walking in the rain which is very you know as as you've heard kind of a bit more mellow but uh here we go pull up to the bumper <laughs> Bobby Shakespeare on the face, baby. They could play that like on a Sesame Street episode about parallel parking like, <laughs> without the uh double entendre <laughs> yeah um you know, but yeah i think the, like sesame street could tactfully talk about um you know anal sex like they, they touch on a lot of subjects and really burn ernie or in a real sensitive <laughs> way <laughs> well i mean puppetry you go in the back uh, in the door that's true it's all about fisting i believe it's a metaphor for fisting Oh boy, okay. uh, but there's like a real buoyancy to like the 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 rhythm here that just elevates it to another level. And and then once her vocals come in, like as you're saying, like the phrasing is very short, but it's like it's just like she cut she gets in and out, and like it's just very yeah, like it's very good. It reminds me of that old school like the like burn rubber on them, like the cool and the gang song kind of mm. like yeah. That. Or no park, yeah. That no parking on a dance. Yeah, that's floor. what I'm saying. Is like it's such a missed opportunity. This isn't like on Lowrider or fucking like. Yeah, why wasn't our Nick or like on East Side Stories? Like for sure. Like, yeah, uh, was Art Why wasn't this played with? Yeah, like by like One Way or fucking you know Dab Band and all that. Like I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like I said, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little deprived. Was Art LeBeau? Maybe it was just so East Coast that Art Yeah, Lebeau I think that's what it is. Maybe like, yeah. never yeah. play it. Yeah. So, should we hear some of the? Um, oh, I just yeah. yeah I, I I have a mark at three minute. It's like the funky little breakdown part. Um. Okay. Okay. Well. Um. 
we'll let's we'll play the course and then we'll get yeah. to that breakdown because i also marked that off too yeah the breakdown's um, cool is all the extra percussion comes out and shit but yeah yeah the there's like two or three like, breakdowns which are just yeah. really great but uh sorry uh, here's a here's a little bit of the chorus of pull up to the bumper Like that the right there. Down oh, down. Yeah. yeah. Let me ride. Yeah. It's like a conic bass uh funk, like yeah, melody. That's and like then, a th- throw your ass in that circle like wedding song that yeah. I've never yeah. got to experience. Guys, totally. we need to Ju- just be playing this to the shit. bumper. Yeah. Pull up the bumper should be a dance floor classic. I mean, it is. It is circles, but, right? Right. But, it's an underground dance music yeah. classic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I think also like that little section. If just listening, like that's whole, that's uh, Hercules and Love Affair. I don't even remember those guys, but that's yeah, like totally. the, it's like his whole shtick is like that yeah. moment right there. Did anybody yep. check on Hercules? <laughs> I think the Love Affair is over. Yeah, I know he he had hard times. We'll do that episode. That's probably yeah, that one's big. It's yeah. Another, it's another big one um, and they were they were like reclaiming it for like you know the queer community and stuff too yeah, yeah they were doing that's, that's what was dope about them they were doing for a sure. grace jones tribute for sure yeah. mm-hmm. um but here's that breakdown that that uh caleb you, that you mentioned uh at the three minute mark Dude, the 12-inch single at the garage, just like fucking letting that outro just loop. Loop, Yeah. (laughs) That little chic kind of guitar and just uh, yeah, chic for sure. I love all that percussion, all like the little drums and like and her voice toms or whatever they're playing. It's like she's a good singer. Oh yeah, she's like in it. She's in the groove. She's she's so complimentary to like the oh yeah, here's this is one where she, she fully goes into the singing thing and it's just like, yeah, she nails it. So fucking good. Like you can hear the swagger in her voice. You can hear like the, just like, like, you know, just the take no fucking shit of Grace Jones in this track. Um, the ferocity. The for, yeah. The, the fierceness. Ferocious baby. <laughs> Should we've good. got a pass to say bitch a lot on this episode or is it too late? Well, I think we can say batch. Okay. I think that's. <laughs> Should we just keep going down the line here? Oh, wait. Did you want to play some of her vocal? Or no, you already got that? Yeah, I think, uh, unless there's anything else um, that you guys wanted to hear from this. No, I mean, oh, other uh, than just hearing the song again. I mean, I'll yeah, play. I'll just play. Banger. I'll play a little bit of the outro because I think, or, or like the, the beginning of this sort of outro section because I think that's actually pretty good as well so let's just hear okay. just a little bit more of pull up to the bumper oh, 
I also love that they um sorry I'll let you uh, go in a second though. I just want to say I also like that they're like you're saying Caleb uh, incorporating a lot of different sounds but also like they're throwing in those like traffic noises yeah just, like little snippets and little bits that that like cut off kind of awkwardly but like it just works like rhythmically and like it's just it's a nice little textural thing that um i think that's, a lot of actually a lot of other artists have, have kind of copied that yeah, a little bit it's like yeah. yes 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 new york yeah <laughs> sorry no, uh, that's like uh say? it's startling oh, too yeah. that song is um can startle you if you're listening to it in a car and, uh, uh, and, yeah. and, right. and your wife's driving specifically and i had this exact same experience but uh adrian so another slapper for me. Let's keep going. Song number three. <laughs> Use Me. Nice, yeah. Which is a cover of the late, great Bill Withers. Did we lose Bill Withers in 2021? You know, he died twice in my life. I thought he was dead by the time he died in 2020. Yeah, he died last I year, right? kind of had a um, Bernstein Bears thing happen to me with that. Yeah, still Bill. Yeah. Um, Bill is, still Bill the world i love bill withers i mean he has one of the greatest voices of all time i love the way he plays guitar i love his like little keyboard lines and the fact that grace jones i can honestly say she owns this fucking song use me (laughs) i'd put it up there as one of the best covers of all time and it really i think it's i think it's the most kind of dubbed out reggae song on this album uh, yep. And it's also like the longest. I think it's like five something. Five oh five. minutes. Yeah. Adrian, if you'd like, could you play around the 245 mark? Like it, sh- it highlights the the synth player, uh, Wally Badaro. And it's just, it's so funky and jammy. And yeah, it's it's an incredible cover of an iconic song. Like you don't think you can own like a singer songwriter type song, like use me by Bill Withers, you know, it's so connected to his voice. And the fact that like you, that's a funky song in its own right. And so funky. Yeah. yeah. And so popular. I mean, that song's getting played on the radio like right now, you know? So it's like the fact that you can forget that she's even doing a cover is pretty amazing. So. Yeah, totally. When you talk about, someone making a cover of their own like this is like this should be right there like as the kind of the you know one of the sh- the shiny examples because it's like yeah. she completely takes that song which is you know the bill withers you know his version of it is obviously incredible too and it just it's a different feel but like she completely revamps this to fit her own style and turns it into exactly. this whole other thing and it's just it is incredible um so here uh when people used to say like when aretha franklin would cover your song it was her song now like you couldn't even play it live anymore it's like no that's that's hers now i've i don't it's not quite on that level but it's close yeah for sure but here is some of that instrumental section of use me Sometimes it's 
Yeah, I just love that heavy synth sound. It's amazing. It's great. And then the way she weaves in, like the, the her vocals are weaved in and kind of uh, like everything's going on around it, but it like fits perfectly inside. Like it's yeah, so, so satisfying. So good. It's like anal sex. <laughs> Back to that. <laughs> oh boy. So song number four, that's a slapper, right? You guys got <laughs> it on there. Caleb. That nightclubbing? Yeah. yeah. Is that the tit- titular track? Fuck yeah, that song oh, yeah. rules, dude. That song is, I think this is the is it pinnacle. better than the original? Uh, I don't know about know, that. That's hard, yeah, I don't it's know. hard to top that the one. The Idiot's a fucking good record, but it has the same similar vibe, too. The Idiot is like this weird minimalist kind it's of like spooky pop, spooky <laughs> album. Yeah. It's a weird, yeah. I think they're of a piece. So, like, yeah, they're they're definitely companions. Um, the beat is nasty. It's and nasty. I, the original I put on one here is nasty is, too. It's fucking fierce. Mm-hmm. This is this is the pinnacle of fierceness, I think, from her on this album, which is just fierce left and right. Um, yeah, I just love the just the repetitive reggae dubbed out beat. Uh, I think that just like it's such a cool little vehicle for you know all the different ideas, and then there's all these like little buried textures and all this like sinister like layers and just like this kind of added you know out there kind of artiness to it that isn't like overdone you know just kind of adds to this kind of like atmosphere that that is the song you know yeah no i think it's fucking great yeah you that sums it up pretty nicely i think that it's and then again, another one where she interprets this song in her own way. And I, again, I like, I really love the original, but she just, it's another one where she comes close to like, she's, she takes it and makes it her own. And it's almost like, yeah, this, 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 this is almost more perfect, even though that original one is kind of perfect. I bet you Iggy loves this song too. Iggy oh, I, yeah, I'm sure he does. Like, what, what would that sound like? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the highlights of my life was hearing. Uh, Grace Jones, the six foot tall uh, Studio Fifty Four lady, doing my music. Is that that's like Alex Jones and Macho Man Randy Savage, <laughs> and then a little bit of the constipated Paul Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> but also sounds a lot like Iggy Pop. I guess that's just yeah. The beat was nasty. <laughs> it was nasty. Yeah, he has that like kind of weird mid midwestern twang to it. Oh, he was nasty. The beat was nasty. It was yeah, a clanging right. well, uh, clubbing. <laughs> Here he yeah, is. he's always like bang. Oh, the beat went bang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, here's here, here is some of um. Some of those layers you're talking about, Caleb, because I think that the way that this song, especially like the way that they layer things and build things up is like super, super cool. Uh, But here is a little bit of of that on uh, nightclubbing, the titular track. We learn dancing. Oh, 
I mean, those sounds wouldn't be out of place on a Halloween record. Yeah, yet, totally. <laughs> it completely works in this yeah. context. I I just love the rhythm section on this song. It's like the most rudimentary like structure that like a lot of reggae music. It's like that that baseline and the way that they syncopate it and like that the, those measures is like that's like the root of like what we understand is like reggae music, like right in nineteen eighty one, and they just they just do it it's so elemental you know and it just just allows her vocals and all that other weird shit to going on just like really kind of <laughs> rise above all of that um yeah it's just like really <coughs> artfully and tastefully done it's getting me choked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and it's like she this this is a one where it's definitely like art damaged like it's, yeah it's there's just a lot of different weird stuff going on that just pushes this one over the top yeah um, you got to kind of make like a weird like intentional step into the murk a little bit like halfway yeah. through an album you know it's pretty it's like, definitely it's tough a departure yeah it's like a bad she's a tough lady dude yeah. she's a bond yeah. girl she's uh fucking around with arnold and conan yeah all right. Well, here's a little bit more. Here's uh here's some some vocal weirdness that I think is really satisfying towards uh more towards the end here of uh nightclubbing. Clean. very clean very good clean song. very good cool it was like um, patent leather shoes and shit how many more should we do <laughs> well we're gonna end up doing this whole record i know because i have five art groupie as one um but not nah, let's adrian you pick one and maybe we could move on yeah we've pretty we've talked about pretty much all of them i'll i'll, I'll touch on a couple of let me touch on a couple that I want to mention and then I'll get into the one I really, really want to talk about or that I really think we should talk about. So I think I mentioned Demolition Man a couple of times. It's a very interesting song. Like the, the, the baseline is very much like kind of semi-industrial has, it's kind of a fuzz based synth thing. And it's really, really interesting. It's punk um, rock. It's, it's, yeah, it's punk rock. Uh, I've done it again is the last track. And I think yeah. that it's actually, it's kind of, the opposite in this in a way of demolition man where as demolition man is kind of more kind of brutish or uh i don't know kind of more a little more harsh end of Turn the spectrum is so swanky it's like almost yes, like a it's like a i don't know like a joni mitchell song or something it's like it's very yeah. it's like california like that california 70s rock but just like kind of an updated version of that I don't that's know. it's kind of a campy ballad I think yeah that's what yeah she's going totally. for. like like a, like uh like old old timey almost yeah but that's like the other piece of her too she's obviously a romantic and she's obviously mm -hmm. kind of influenced by a bunch of other stuff you know there's you know kind of klezmer sounding music there's accordions there's french music you know it's like yeah, yeah she's very the edith piaf yeah mm -hmm. influence for sure like a yeah a chantreuse perfect and that's a perfect segue for the one <clears throat> for the track i want to talk about which is i've seen that face before libertango um, this, this which, was my mom 
our mom's favorite song yeah. on the album. Yeah. Oh, really? Thanks for listening. Yeah. She, we let her know what we were doing before so she could she was like, listen she's like, along. This, she's doing like a tango song. She was like really into it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to our number one fan. Uh, I've, I've seen that face before. I, I mean, I completely agree. Like it is her take on um, a song by Astor Piazzolla. Um, or kind of more of a recontextualization of that kind of more traditional song, but yeah, it's it's a great killer song. It it incorporates kind of this French cosmopolitan sort of sound. I mean, she sings in French. I think very that burlesque. she, yeah, it's very it's very theatrical and dramatic in a way. Um, kind of actually, it reminded me a little bit of like a knife kind of vibe in terms of mm-hmm. like the, the, that kind of like feel. Oh uh, yeah, good call. But uh, yeah, she just, it's, it's just, it's really great. Um, I think that again, the, like the way that the synths come in, the way that she brings in all of these other sounds, this is the one with the accordion and the kind of the, the, the more the European sounding accordion. stuff. I usually yeah. don't like accordion as we've noted on this podcast. We've, we've covered a fair amount of accordion on this podcast. Sneakily yeah. popular. Yeah. But uh, it shreds on this song. Hell yeah. yeah. I completely agree. So yeah, I'll, uh, I, unless you guys have something else to say about this song, I, I'll get, I'll get, no, right nah, into it. it's, it's no, a banger. It's a great change of pace. Yeah. Towards the back end of the album. All right. Well, um, here's a little bit of the French verse, which I believe she had a friend translate into French. Cause I don't think she is a, a, a French a natural French speaker, but that's um, really surprising. You think she? It, it is would offhandedly just know French. She right. She she probably doesn't have to talk all that much to like <laughs> where she goes. It's just kind of like she's the, points her presence. Like, is, yeah. yeah, enough said. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but here's a little bit of that kind of that French verse, which I think is really nice and 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 very very sensual and captivating. But here's I've seen that face before, Libertango. Tu sais quoi? Raconte la mort. Tu te prends pour qui? Toi aussi, tu détestes la vie. And like the crazy thing is, is like that sound like it could work in so many different like it works here as like this sort of tango tinge dance track but it also like it almost reminded me of like an old school video game like you could hear yeah. that like kind yeah. of like <laughs> kind of like synth stuff and like a like a like an nes game or something For like sure. it's just really really good and like it still and then has way, that reggae kind of upstroke guitar going through. totally that's exactly yeah. what i was about to say like the way that the, the reggae is still so like still so much a part of it but it doesn't feel cheesy it doesn't feel like oh they're just putting these two things no it feels like it feels cohesive and like a like it makes sense in this in this the context of the song like it's just it's just super perfect yeah it's um, great and then i just wanted to play a little bit of more of some some nice synth stuff here that's uh, a little further on Eyes, chill me to the bone. 
fucks. You're so good. Yeah, that's the whole art pop vibe where it's like she'll take a detour and make like a weirdo song yeah, that like global music that doesn't even sound bit. like of its time. You know, it's like outside of time and space. It's just like a yeah, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. Yeah. All right. All right. I need to take a quick little break before we jump into our rating. So we'll be right back, folks. Take a break, kids. Yeah. All right. Now let's get to the good stuff. Let's rate this bad bitch. Let's rate it. You know what? I'm not splitting any hairs here. This is the 10.0. It's classic. I think its influence will continue to grow and grow. Um, The fact that it got reissued and celebrating 40 years, I think, there's probably some like 15 year old kid right now listening to it. That's like, Whoa, this is blowing my mind. I think it's just, yeah, it's iconic. It, yeah, it doesn't totally. sound like anything else. It's so singular. It's, it's Grace fucking Jones. Mate. Totally. Caleb, I'll, what I'll give it, it a 10. Like a seven. No. no, I'll give it a fucking 10. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. Seven. Yeah. I'm that cynical. I'm that guy. There's, considering there's not a single blast beat on here, yeah. Why um, I have to give it a, give it a seven. What's why up? I give it a nine. It's like you're right there. Just give it. A yeah, nine. dude. It's like what's wrong? Yeah, something that's like cringe about it. There's nothing wrong with this album at all. Yeah, it's it's so sleek and tight and just like no bullshit attached to it. It's like it's a ten. Yeah, it's just a fucking oh, you hate, know. It's a Caleb, perfect score. I hate bullshit. Baby. Exactly. Yeah. It's lean and mean, baby. Just like Grace. Um, yeah, I gotta give it a ten. It's a knockout. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. it is. Adrian. Yeah. Uh don't fuck this up. <laughs> These like, are the I special mean, episodes. We don't have like, to abide by the same rules. So we can Adrian, peer pressure and bully Adrian all we want. Adrian's like, I wish there was a little more meandering guitar and like a sad boy <laughs> singer, but uh well, I have been listening to a lot of low lately, so that would be oh uh, the new ones out. I should hell yeah, it's uh, great. maybe maybe Fantastic. we should do a new album and just do that one. No, oh, yeah. we could. Uh, we could do the last we can do a number of low albums. They're all there are no great. rules. Um, just right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously this is a ten point record. I'm so I'm, I was actually a little shocked that it got a nine point I wonder, I wonder if it was like. I don't know. I don't wonder if it was because of like the not all of the you know. The, I mean, there's a lot of extra tracks here on the that reissue. I don't know if that brought it oh, down. Okay, yeah, that's probably. But um, but I mean, even the even the the review itself sounds like a 10.0 record. I mean, it's just talking yeah, basically totally. about how you know how important iconic this record is. So yeah, I mean, obviously this is not only just one of the most interesting, most you know, fun, most offbeat, most. In, you know, uh, in, interesting records of the '80s. It's also one of the most influential, and one that's that's kind of sneakily influential. I think the real heads know, and we'll drop Grace Jones, but it's yeah. also filtered through a lot of different yeah. things. So it's like, yeah, it's just it's it's an important record. It's a great record, and yeah, it it deserves nothing less than a 10.0. Totally. And to kind of go what you're saying, like the real heads, it's like. Yeah, she gets a lot of lip service, you know, from like your Lady Gaga's and stuff. But they're just like really talking about the fashion shit. Like Lady Gaga's music's pretty fucking basic, you know. Like Nicki Minaj is like not groove really, robber. 
Yeah, <laughs> Nicki Minaj not doing anything avant-garde or progressive in terms of hip-hop and pop music. So it's like, yeah, okay, you wear funky outfits and you're like fierce and shit. And that's great. Fucking all power to you on that. But it's like, you don't sound like this. This is definitely being embraced by like, you know, you're kind of weirdo queer kids, your DJs, you know, like yeah. you're even little like, Nas X is listening to this album yeah. right now. Or like, you know, even like punks or what, you know, people make punk mm-hmm. music, make post-punk, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's who's pulling from this album, you know, and all the stuff you're saying about like all the influence she's had definitely ne- would not discount that. But I would say in the past, like 10 years and all the kind of like name checking she's got, it's because like, you know, it's like people show up to the Met Gala, you know, whatever, <laughs> like wearing some weird angular haircut. And they're like, that's Grace Jones. And I think that's ultimately marginalizes her musical contributions you know um, yeah so i will say uh, as somebody who's aggrieved about being kind of deprived of her musical presence growing up i want to do that to next generation just so so let's let's let her reclaim the music a little bit well i i will say you know i'm i didn't mention this before but i i i have seen her life i have seen grace jones oh nice in the flesh and Whoa. it was incredible I saw her at a festival at FYF about five years ago now, but, um, but yeah, she, she came out and she had the, you know, she had the face paint. She had the, the, you know, she's doing like the kind of the Mohawk thing. I think these days, like this really crazy big Mohawk. Um, and she had all the dancers. It was just like, Oh, she put on a crazy, incredible show. She had the crowd in the palm of her hand. The she crowd was like was 70 huge. years old. And yes. And then, and she's like, and she still looks incredible. She still can move and, and her voice is incredible. And she had the crowd in the palm of her hand, this big, huge crowd. So I think that, yeah, I think the kids are, are catching on and are getting interested in, I mean, this is five years ago now. So like now kids like people who were, it would be into little Nas X. I hope they're discovering, you know, discovering this record and discovering grace jones and discovering how important she was and is yeah. to to the pop to to the music landscape to the to to the general cultural landscape let's say yeah uh, for sure with, in terms of everything that she's done yeah just yeah. an incredible woman incredible artist uh an incredible musician um i do have one thing to say about this album it's uh sleek cheek treats and beats chiseled cheeks peaks and kinks grace jones speaks yeah beach that was good <laughs> that's the review that what is what are the kids saying th- these days uh tldr that's the tldr on this album yeah um right on uh so oh, we for, i skipped it um but that gives us the grand rating of i'm gonna buck the rules fuck it this album gets a 30, not a, <laughs> not a 10, not an average. It just gets a, a perfect 30. Add it up. It gets a perfect 30. The first yeah. in Wacker Slaps history. <laughs> You're hearing it here now, folks. This album's yeah. a 30, top it's to bottom. It's one of the best albums we've done. You know, it's up there with like uh, Mad Villain, My Bloody yeah, totally. Valentine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Broken social scene. Yeah. <laughs> MIA. MIA, yeah, yeah, definitely. MIA for sure. Who is another artist that I think well, that I mentioned briefly, but I think another artist who who would probably claim Grace Jones is a huge inspiration. And, totally, and yeah, definitely iconoclastic, and yeah, 
And you can definitely hear it also just in, in in the way that her, especially that first record, the way that those sort of minimal dance beats come together. Like it's very similar to this record for sure. For sure, 110%. Yeah. All right. So what's going to be the only rating that really matters? Um, <laughs> how does this album stack up to Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh? I don't know. That sounds a little insulting, actually. The one I think she could have done a cover of it and killed it. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. That's your answer. <laughs> I mean, yes, she she definitely could. I, yeah, I, there's really no comparison. I would I would listen to this a hundred times, really, before I listen to to that, honestly. But I it's not to say I don't love that song and that re- and that you know that record. It's just this this one's so incredible that yeah you know it's hard to top it. The Joe Walsh life's been good scale is irrelevant on this episode. Yep. Let's just leave it at that. And there's not even a picture of them together. together. So <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had high hopes for that one. Just like both of them coked out of their gourds <laughs> somewhere. It's like some club Joe somewhere. Walsh. Reward show. Yeah. It's like Joe Walsh, uh, John Laurie. Yeah. Grace Jones. <laughs> and like, yeah. yeah. And like Larry Graham doing blow at the mud club. <laughs> uh, Joe Walsh just flies in New York, just wants to see what see what the kids are at. Right on. Sweet. I guess we could just uh slide into our game. Well, did we I think we should mention I, I kind of mentioned it with the talking where about she going to now. see her. Yeah, but where is she where she is now? Oh, she's uh, just still fucking being fierce and kicking ass. Yeah. All tall. I'd recommend, I think two or three years ago, a documentary on her called Grace Jones, uh, Blood Light and Bommy came out. Um, it's on the Criterion channel right now. Oh, you can sick. watch it. It's fucking great. It's like a concert film. And then it's, uh, you get to see her like a day in the life of Grace Jones. And it, she goes back to Jamaica and uh, you get to see like her family history, and her mom is still alive. Whoa, insanely! Yeah, so she got some good good genes for sure. She's like royalty. She's Jamaican royalty. She's an OJ. Yeah, but she kind of didn't get along with her dad. So, for right. somebody that seems so un- unknowable, it's kind of cool that there's like this really great documentary that you can watch. I highly That's recommend. Right. It's awesome. Have you guys seen it? I haven't I watched have not. it though. Yeah, it's on Criterion. Sounds incredible. So yeah, check it out. Get Criterion Channel, everyone. They'll do yeah. some good. It's where the good shit's at. Check out the. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know the director, but um, yeah, check out Grace Jones: Colon Bloodlight and Bami. Right. Yeah. Um, 2018, she received the Order of Jamaica from the Jamaican government. So that's kind of like a a knighting kind of thing, a queening. Because she's a queen. Yeah, the queendom. Yeah, so good. She's a goddess, indeed. It was, and the director on that was uh, Sophie Fines, sister of Rafe and Joseph Fines. Oh wow! Oh, that's a talented family. Cool. Yeah, indeed. Right on. Okay. Uh, uh, still, we'll st- we're still waiting for that Joseph Fines, um, Michael Jackson. Uh, TV movie oh, that right. uh, never aired. Oh boy, <laughs> I forgot what about was that. that? It's Joseph Fiennes as Michael Jackson, and it's like, wait, what the story? The story it's like him and um, Elizabeth Taylor on like a road trip, 
but he's yeah he's doing white black this this image <laughs> is haunting i think yeah. i might have ruined my night oh my goodness <laughs> yeah oh my god that is a shocking the backlash was swift and immediate it never aired it's like uh it's like um the uh the day the was that that day the laughter oh, the day the or the, yeah, the, day the, laugh, the yeah. jerry lewis thing the jerry lewis it's up there with the jerry lewis oh my god this is ugh. the day the laughter died yeah yeah all right all right someone's gonna have to end just toast it yourself something what's next kind of ruined my momentum here <laughs> no let's play a game <laughs> do not google that folks is it game time it. yeah it's game time even though grace jones does not play any games we will okay for the game, I did a little uh, name that tune model runway edition um, fashion. Can we I'll get some you, runway music. Yeah, we'll just play this album again. Take <laughs> runway music. That's um, true. So basically, I'll give you some lyrics, and you tell me what song it is. Ready? Yeah. All you need is your own imagination, so use it. That's what it's for. Go inside for your finest inspiration. Your dreams will open the door. It makes no difference if you're black or white, if you're a boy or a girl. If the music's pumping, it will give you new life. You're a superstar. Yes, that's what you are. You know it. Is that? Uh, Damn it. We mentioned her earlier in the episode. Uh, think Gaga? No, the one Gaga's mentor. Is it Madge? It's Madonna. It's Mod Madonna. It's Vogue. Okay, I was like, I've heard this, but it's just it's it's awkward hearing it spoken. (laughs) Yeah, that's all kind of sucks. Vogue. It's It's just a groove. That's the prototypical Madonna was the third person to do something because if you watch like Paris is burning and stuff, it's like, oh, she just ripped that off. Okay. Yeah. 10 years later. (laughs) Or like, yeah, like three years later. Uh, Okay, here we go. We are the goon squad and we're coming to town. Beep, beep. Listen to me. (laughs) Don't listen to me. Talk to me. Don't talk to me. You don't know this one? Oh, Come it. on, this guys. is another one where I'm Goon like, Squad. We are is that the Iggy Goon Squad. No, we are the Goon Squad. Oh, that's uh, yeah, it's David Bowie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Bowie. Yeah. Um, beep beep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what song? Come on. Oh. Listen to me. Don't listen to me. Talk to me. Don't talk to me. What is? Uh, yeah, models. What do they do? What's the industry? Fashion. Oh, fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Beep beep. Fashion. Okay. Oh, damn. fuck. Damn. Great song. Great tune. Um, it don't matter what you wear. They're checking out your survivor, your savior fair, and it don't matter what you do because everything looks good on you. This. Nice. Um. I'll give you a hint. This has supermodel in the title. And it's by another iconoclastic person that like there's only one of these people. 
Only nobody else looks like this person. A tall, a tall black person. Is oh, this, RuPaul. RuPaul. Is yeah. RuPaul's jam. Word. You better Cover work. Cover girl. Cover girl. No, it's. I think this one's supermodel. Yeah, this is a different. Uh, better this work. Is, um, she had two of them. Yeah. Yeah. You better work. <laughs> uh, all right. This game is harder than I thought. Yeah. No, this it's, is it's fun. It's, fun, it's good yeah. though. Yeah. Okay. Here's one. I wish I was like Tori Spelling, with a car like hers and a dad like hers, and I show them how it was done. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. This is a 90s song. Yeah, this is like an iconic 90s song. Or like a it's like a is it a one hit wonder kind of thing? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Fuck. It was on a like I wanna be a supermodel. Yeah. What's your fucking name? God damn it. Jill Sobel. Jill Sobel. We've never gotten that a million years. Yeah. The uh the great um clueless soundtrack. Right. Oh yeah. Tori Spelling. Pretty, that's pretty that's what she was aiming for. Even then. But she wanted to be like a rich kid. Oh, got it. Yeah. Beverly Hills nine two one zero, bro. All right, last one. Let's do How for can... a rewatch, <laughs> or a not even a rewatch for me, a first watch. How can it be permissible? She's compromising my principle. Yeah. Ooh. That kind wow. of love is mythical. She's anything but typical. She's a craze you'd endorse. She's a powerful force. You're obliged to conform. <laughs> no other course. She used to look to me, but now I find her. So this this is more think of the music video with a uh, models models in it. Oh, is this uh okay? This is is this uh old Georgie Michael? No. Is this, it, this lyrics kind of sound like Gene Simmons lyrics? How is it can kiss? it be permissible? Principal. Oh, she's simply oh, irresistible. Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer. There you <laughs> go. Oh, shit. That video, dude, that's a mesmerizing video. When that's you're a, a stark video. Yeah. You're like, this yeah. song sucks, iconic. but I'm kind of horned up. <laughs> <laughs> Those red Those lips. Those ladies dude. in the background. Yeah. That's all it's I like got. Back hair or whatever. You think he'll ever have a reclamation, Robert Palmer? I think he kind of does now. Yeah, sort what of. What do you call bit. that music that Robert Palmer makes? Sleaze rock. Horn rock? Yeah, horn pop. It's called shit. Randy Rock. What yeah, was Randy. his other one? You mean as well face it. I'm addicted to love. It's it's like verging on Heartland Rock, but it's like it's all the beats are like weird synth like pop. It's, well, it was know, produced. It's, it's the same. It comes out of the same uh the Bahamas. That whole crew that did yeah. this album. Oh, yep. I see. Yeah. It's the the uh, Sly and Robbie are like on there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad they got. I'm, I'm glad they got the work. Um, yeah. It's weird. Cool. It's like Joe Cocker recorded with them. Their influence is so. I mean, broad. I see why people would want to record there. They like you know get a fucking dirty weekend in the Bahamas. You know, yeah, record some like, '80s these, pop jams. Like, they got these this rhythm section that's like so tight. They like yeah. make you a hit song. It's insane. They got all this weed you can smoke. <laughs> That's great. Your mind simply is all All right. What's next? Right. The end of the show? No. Yes, what? folks. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> uh, 
fake out there. Yeah. Next week episode will give you some thought for food. We're talking the books next week. Pretty apropos for a podcast officially sponsored by the Santa Maria Public Library. So, um, yeah, come back, join us for that one. It's going to be an episode. The books of, of this show. That's a band. Books, not actually books. And thought for food, not food for, for thought. The album's called Thought for Food. How clever! Yikes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But it's on the list, so we must move forward. Uh, thank you to Kiki Ontiveros for our awesome theme song. Thank you to Adrian for all the production work. Uh, thank you to Noah for keeping us moving, all the bits, all the tidbits of extra history this week. And um, thank you to our loyal listeners. Thank you for uh, following us, liking, subscribing, and all that good stuff, and checking us out every week, week in, week out. You know, we're dropping episodes hopefully weekly uh fridays or or thursdays you know um so yeah hit us up on social media we're just uh, at whacker slaps yeah follow at- us we need re- more reviews guys or else yep. we're not gonna we're never gonna go nowhere without no reviews yeah and i've already i've already quit my job put a down payment on a house i can't afford so i really need this podcast to work out folks yeah we really got too. merch coming i think yeah. i don't know we'll launch that officially one day but yep we got merch and if you know us personally just hit us up i can i can probably hook you up i got some laying around so yeah holler at us yeah thanks for joining us as always uh for noah and adrian i am caleb and this has been whacker slaps and this week like all weeks i ask what made milwaukee famous work a girl (laughs) Bye. bye